Welcome to Booked, where one of our hosts is one step away from calling me from a payphone. I'm Rob Olson. <laughs> and I'm Livia Snedden. This is all true. This is all true. All the technology in the world is not, none of it's working for me tonight. <laughs> Rob, I, I don't know if you noticed, I'm acting a little bit frustrated about technology. That's, uh, that's how we're starting out the evening. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I'd hate to have to do this podcast by phone because, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that we're, 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 we're one quarter, 25 cents away from Ma Bell becoming part of the, becoming our third the co-host. Third. Yeah. yeah, the third co-host. Oh, let's see, let's see if this works though. This would be, <laughs> this would be brilliant if this, if this worked. Um. This week, we are reviewing a forthcoming novella um, that is part of the This Is Horror... I don't know, they used to be chapbooks. I don't know if they're chapbooks anymore. From This Is Horror and their series of, of novellas and chapbooks. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. When we found out that this particular author was publishing something through This Is Horror, it was very exciting because um, anybody who's been listening for a while, every single This Is Horror chapbook slash novella that we've talked about on the podcast, which I think is all but one of their offerings, um, we've all we've both really enjoyed. And so um, combine that with the fact that this author, and there's no reason for me to be vague about, Josh Mallerman, we loved his book Bird Box, and we loved when we had him on for an interview. Uh, it seemed like a no-brainer. And even though he maybe couldn't show up for our review of um, I Can Taste the Blood, we like that story too. So I was pretty confident that we were going to be enjoying what we heard, uh, heard, I guess we're not hearing it. You're hearing us talk about it, but um, we're going to be enjoying what we read uh, in this. And so this novella, a house at the bottom of a lake by Josh Mallerman is what we're reviewing this evening. Yeah. We're having some trouble um, finding a synopsis for it. So we're going to let, the title of this novella stand as its synopsis because it is truly about a house at the bottom of a lake. Yeah, we're, I think we're in early. This is a pre-release review. And so I don't think they have all the promo stuff available to the public. I'm sure that they've got it already all wrapped up and tidy, but they just don't have it like up on, did we look on Amazon? Oh no, it's not going to be available through Amazon. I don't remember how this works, but um, we couldn't find a synopsis, but um, we do have, an author bio that I'm going to read right now. Remember, uh, Livius, I just remembered <laughs> if you go back to when, uh, closer when we reviewed <laughs> Bird Box, we got in an argument because you thought Josh lived in New York and I insisted that he lived in Michigan and I was correct. Yes, yes, I remember this. Are you, are you still living under the delusion that he lives in New York or have you conceded? Well, look, I like Josh, and, and I love everything I've read by him. I also read The Gasol and Ewell, which was his kind of standalone novella. Um, but he still hasn't given me any reason to trust when he says he lives somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I know I know that once in a while there's like that, that image, the info that you know tells you where a photo was taken, but that I found out that stuff could be manipulated. Like you yeah. can spoof your location. So I, I don't, I'm going to continue to look into this. So, but let me ask you a question. Do you have any reason to not believe that he lives in Michigan? Well, clearly I thought he lived in New York for some reason. <laughs> I didn't just make that Something, up. Some nagging thing in your brain is like New York and you don't remember yeah. it, but it still has credibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So until someone proves otherwise, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm still going with that guy lives in New York. I don't care what his author bio says. All right. Well, here's what his author bio says. Josh Mallerman is the author of the award-winning novel Bird Box, and he's the lead singer for the rock band The High Strung. He currently lives, allegedly, according to Livius, in Ferndale, Michigan. <laughs> not even sure. Bio, Ferndale. nice and sweet. Yeah, I'm not even sure Ferndale is a real place. I'm gonna look at him. Uh, if you're gonna talk about something right now, I'm gonna go to a map and find Ferndale, Michigan. I want to talk about the cover of this book, and yeah. I have gone back after reading this book and just looked at the cover image, and I don't know who does the covers. If it's the same person who does them for this is horror. But they, they have they have a pretty good run of covers. And this one, I like a lot. So I'm going to describe it for listeners. We are clearly underwater, standing very close to a house. Um, and, and you can see, like, rippling water and, like, you know, water kind of moving, like little lines behind the drops of water. But then uh, above the house, which you can also see, is a boat. So you know you're at the bottom of a lake, which, I mean, I know, whatever. That's the name of the book, so the cover makes perfect sense. But, like, the coloring is just right. It's really, it, it's it's a book cover that I would I would be okay with putting on my wall as, like, a poster. Like, I like it that much. The cover artist is Pi Parr. That's the name of the guy who does the art. And um, he was the same person who did... Um, what was that one? Water for Drowning, I think. Yeah, I can see the similarities. Yeah. Um, really great artist. Really, really good score on that on that cover. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Kind of creepy. A little bit. I like the use of very um, modern-looking text as well, mm-hmm. as you may have guessed from everything that Booked has ever... Uh, any design, including, including words that Booked has ever put out. Lots of very modern-looking white text is my jam. Yeah, I don't. I, I know there's people who are really big into fonts. Um, and see, I looked at this, and even when you said it, I went back and looked, and I was like, I don't, I don't see the modern part. Like, I just see like letters. Maybe like, I'm I'm font blind. Is that a thing? Do you know what a serif is? No. All right, and it's not like it's nothing religious or anything. Like, well, the angels is the first thing. I can't be what he's talking about. I don't think we switch gears that quickly, but that's the that's what I was thinking. No, I don't know what a serif is. So, if you imagine on um, like a letter, we're totally diverting from this uh, uh, this review, but um, on some um, different fonts, like on the the top of an N. It looks like there's like a like things pointing out, mm-hmm. or like the R's got the little kind of thing at the end, like those little extra parts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a serif, and this is a sans serif font, so there's none of that extra stuff. It's just very clean, um, clean, you know, turns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, no, I understand. That makes perfect yeah. sense. And yes, I see no serifs, angelic yeah, so. or otherwise. More modern fonts, fonts that have been made, I'm guessing, since like the 1950s. Um, the sans serif kind of thing is is a more modern thing, especially after, you know, the advent of computers and stuff like that and making text easy to read. So that's why that would be considered a modern font. But I guess that's really not what we're here to talk about. All right. This story kicks off with um, James, who works in his father's hardware store, and Amelia, who is a customer there, who James is a... Uh, He's got kind of a crush on, so we we witness, and through the first part of this book, um, a fairly endearing and 
you know, perhaps depending on, on how much game you have, <laughs> maybe accurate um, exchange be, between these two, their first couple of exchanges. So basically, James asks her out, but he feels that everything he says sounds stupid. And, you know, we're seeing this through an omnipotent narrator, but, you know, so every time she responds, she feels like she said something silly. But basically, it's young love starting to blossom on an on a invitation out uh, for a first date, which is going to take place on a boat in a lake. Yeah, so James, who, like Livia said, doesn't sound like he's got a lot of game, um, wanted to come up with a kind of original date idea, and he knew his uncle lived on a lake. So his idea of, of a fun time to take someone out would be um, there was this lake that his uncle lived on, which actually um, led to like a second lake, and his idea was... Um, to show her the second lake, which was like really beautiful and not um, disturbed by all the regular powerboat traffic and stuff of of the main lake. So they were going to go canoeing. And um, it was kind of just the first thing that came to mind, but she was really charmed by the idea. So she said yes. And they went out canoeing. And like Livius was saying, there's all this awkwardness where um, it's the first date. And they've never known each other before. They just met for the first time in the hardware store when he asked her out. So they don't know the first thing about each other. And here they are um, canoeing out onto this lake. And they're both really worried that they're just saying dumb things or, or, or you know, that they're not being entertaining or being a good date. So there's that awkward kind of unsure feeling. But at the same time... They're both obviously having a good time, and so it's just a matter of time before they realize, oh, we're both having a good time, and, and things kind of chill out. Um, so it's got that kind of fun, awkward feeling at the beginning, and the they get to the second lake, and it's really pretty, and he's showing her around, and she notices on the other side of this lake along the shore what looks like some kind of tunnel, and she asks about it, and he kind of figures out, oh, this is probably some sort of, there's an access road nearby for people who maintain the lake or whatever. But he, he figures out, he intuits that she wants to check it out. So they kind of row over there to see what's going on, and they find this, I imagine it like, almost like a drainage kind of tunnel. I didn't think of it as like something that was built into the, like the, there was like a tunnel that they could take their boat into. Um... And I imagined it like a like one of those circular concrete kind of things. I don't know how you saw it in your mind, Livius, but that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I yeah I saw it a little bit differently than than that. But yeah, it basically it led to the super exclusive lake, which is now the third lake that you can go to. That genuinely, it seems like nobody knows about James, who has spent time. On both the first and second lakes with his uncle, you know, even mentions like, hey, no one's ever said this thing is here and it's really hard to get to. As a matter of fact, they have trouble getting through parts, getting their their little like two person canoe through. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty tight um, wedge to go through. But now they're they're on this super secluded um, lake area. And um, I I think that that's part of And You were saying that they kind of chill out. I think the discovery of that kind of leads them to a. you know, shared desire to go through it. So they both become so focused on that. They stop worrying about how silly they sound. So, you know, in their own heads. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, while they're out there, it doesn't take very long for them to discover under the water, um, the roof of a house. 
So, Livius, have you done much canoeing in your time? I have done zero canoeing in my time. Have you been out on lakes very much? Um, uh, I've been out on, yeah, on the chain of lakes. Not very much, no. A handful of times and out on Lake Michigan a couple times. Have you ever been in a water situation? I'm interviewing right now, <laughs> interviewing you right now. Have you ever been in a water situation where you can see very clearly into the water? Like what's uh, below you? Not outside of my own bathtub. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to keep the bathtub talk out of it for now, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of our listeners might be interested in, in your bathtub they stories. Can, they can tune into our third <laughs> podcast, Tubbed. 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 <laughs> Welcome to Tubbed, where we rub a dub. <laughs> <laughs> we're so doing that after this episode. <laughs> Oh, God, we're going to get floods of requests for that now, too, from, like, Sean Ferguson. Um, All right, so the reason I ask is because, um, as you know, and as listeners, uh, at least some listeners will know, I've been to Alaska several times. And um, one of the things that, you know, we did was we would canoe. And there was a creek that went through the backyard of of my father's cabin. Um, But one time, I remember specifically, we had the canoe with us and we were driving from point A to point B. I don't remember exactly where we were going or where we were coming from, but we stopped at this place for dinner or for lunch or whatever it happened to be. And there was a lake across the street and um, we had some time to kill. And so me and my brother grabbed the canoe off the, off the car and uh, went to go canoeing on this lake. It was just this random thing we did. So we're, uh, it was a little bit overcast that day. And where we started out with the canoe, there was just tons of lily pads. So all we could see were lily pads until we were probably a good 30 feet, I want to say, from from land. And then suddenly, like, the lily pads are gone and the water opens up. And I look down into the water. And this is the freakiest shit I've ever fucking experienced. The water was just crystal clear all the way to the bottom of the lake. And... We had to be, I mean, there had to be like, the lake had to be 15, 20, 25 feet deep and immediate fucking vertigo because I can see all the way to the bottom and it just feels like I'm just floating on nothing. It was the creepiest experience. Dude, that is weird. I, I don't know that we have water like that anywhere in Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've been on the chain of lakes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You pass the first six inches of water. Um, and every time I've been down there, it's been in some kind of motorboat. Yeah, so that's not helping right, the right. situation any, right? But that's crazy. Um, my yeah, first it was thought weird because, like, you could see, like, there was fish that were down here, but then, like, you could see 10 feet below, there's other fish. And I'm like, there's got to be some fucking sea monster that's going to eat us in any minute. It was, like, the only <laughs> thing I could think of. My thought was, too, is, like, okay, you know, you were canoeing, you know, back back behind your, your father's property or whatever. Like, that's safe because that's been tested, right? Like, your, your yeah. father probably did it, right? Yep. like, oh, there's a random lake. And I'm thinking, this just sounds dangerous. It would never occur to me to grab the canoe and go into a random lake that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. Um, that's that's the, the city boy in me, I think. Like, I don't... <laughs> I'm not a big water person. Yeah. Um, I'm not opposed to doing it, but it's never going to be my suggestion. Like, go do something on the water. I'll go with the group if that's what everyone's down for. But no, no, I've, I've not spent a lot of time on the water. Riverboat casinos, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing transparent about those places. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, seriously, it was just so creepy. And it was even creepier because until you see something like that, you have no concept of what it would feel like. Um, but it was literally like just looking down 20 feet of just nothing. It was really weird. Um, 
That's crazy. Zero houses, no nothing down there. No houses, but I wanted to say that just to illustrate that even in that entirely mundane situation, still, I felt really, really scared. And so if you put a house, like if there was a house there, I would have just completely crapped in my pants. There was no way I would be doing what comes next in the story, which is, and I guess like, so we may have not have mentioned exactly the age of, of, of our characters, but they're, they're both 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So they're young and they're curious and they're, you know, they're kind of in that exploring kind of discovering the world phase of their life. Um, and so it occurs to them, we need to check this out. Yeah, so uh, James just so I'm going to hold my breath and go down and look at this thing. So he he swims down and finds that it is a uh, it is a it is a house. I mean, it's 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 got doors, it's got windows, it has an inside um and that it's furnished. Furnished. Yeah, which is really creepy and really weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they both kind of take turns just holding their breath and going down and, and discovering. And then they realize and they agree that date number two is going to be we're coming back with like some sort of suit and spending some time exploring this place. So they get a hold of it sounded <laughs> and I imagine like the really clunky old like um, diving suit, like where you're attached to like a rope. Or not a rope, but like that the yep. tube that's feeding mm -hmm. you air. That's exactly what they have. That's yeah. pretty sure that's what it was. And they were taking turns going down and, and exploring into the house further. And this, I feel like Mallerman achieved again what he did very well in Bird Box, which was this constant just promise that something creepy is just about to happen. Did you feel that? I did. I totally felt that. And uh, it's odd that you said that because I did think about Bird Box specifically um, while reading this. I don't want to say too much more about the story because I think, again, it's important for this to unfold on its own. I think that it is probably very important to say that Amelia and James become somewhat obsessed with the house. Yeah. And that really that's the catalyst for... Uh, you know, the 75% of the story that we haven't talked about. Um, do, do you think I'm right? I mean, I don't think there's much more that we can slash should say about this. Yeah, I mean, like, so that's that's the buildup. And it's just like, so from there, now that the house is something that they're aware of, it's, I mean, and it's just so obvious that the story revolves around, like, them figuring out what the hell's, why is there a house down there? Like, and what's go what's in the house and exploring and that. But the big thing is like, yeah, like Livia said, the obsession that they develop over spending time at that house. Yeah. I don't know where specifically we go from here. Cause I feel like we gave a very short explanation of the story, <laughs> which, you know, all right, to be fair, it's 90 ish pages. So we covered 25 maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to spend any more time talking about it. I, I, I think that there is an aspect of horror to this story. But I feel like, at least of the This Is Horror um, books that we've reviewed, that this one might be the least horror and almost more, I was going to say, um, er, like urban 
what's the term I'm looking for? Um, uh, I don't know. No, like like urban mystical kind of thing, but it's not urban at all because it takes place on a lake. Like so, it's not exactly. <laughs> you know, one of these like here here's a completely normal situation, and here's the one weird thing thrown into it. So it doesn't have like this. So it's more suspense. Yeah, or, it's or, or, yeah, or almost or. it's almost more fantasy, I think, than horror. Hmm. If that makes sense. It's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. So can I give you my take? Absolutely. Here, so like, first of all, this is a book that's coming out by a place called This Is Horror. Second of all, it's written by Josh Mallerman, who wrote Bird Box, which I would very solidly categorize as horror. Um, so it it's making promises on the idea of horror just from that. Um, the second second thing is it's underwater and fucking everything underwater is immediately way more scary than things that are above water. <laughs> everything right? in water is horror. <laughs> yeah, is, yes, yeah. Everything's terrifying about water. You like, I tell you a story, and then I tell you the same story, but everything's underwater. You're gonna think <laughs> the underwater one is is like ten times scarier. <laughs> let's let's test that theory. Yeah, man, I went to work today and it was a rough day. Story one. Man, I went to work today, you know, at the store I work at, underwater. <laughs> it was a rough day. Yeah, yeah. That's I, horrible. Yeah, that's. I, I think you're right. It immediately instills some terror into you. <laughs> driving my car on this bridge. All right, second. I was driving my, this car underwater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. No, you're right. Never mind. I take back everything I said. <laughs> It is scientifically proven that everything that's underwater is scarier. Um, but I think what he does so great is, like, he draws out, like, when is the scary thing going to happen? And that's, I hope that's not spoiling anything, but, like, it's more of a progressive kind of creeping dread than it is some sort of jump scare moment where, like, something massively weird happens. So much like Bird Box, and this is the the parallel that i'm gonna draw bird box was not necessarily as much that something scary happened it was just that there was this constant like level of fear of what was about to happen and he did the same thing with like exploring a fucking house underwater is just constantly scary constantly scary so it's not like monsters or things jumping out at you or people dying in gruesome ways or that type of thing, horror. It's like, what fucked up underwater thing is about to happen? And I, I'm, I'm serious, man. Underwater stuff, always terrifying. I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> I, I think I, I see where my disconnect is. And when you say it, and you're telling me about the same story, and I'm almost seeing it through a different lens listening to you talk about this. And to, to go back a little bit to the story is that our protagonists aren't scared. And I think I took it more with a grain of salt because they're really they're um, they're enamored, right? They wanted they want to do discovery, yeah. and really they're not terrified. There are you know at the beginning you know some things like before they have scuba tanks and suits like there's like this fear of like running out of air and not making it back to you know the the boat and stuff. But you know eh, being twenty pages in, I'm not really that worried about the protagonist not making it back to the boat if that makes sense. But I think right. that yeah they're they're. I also want to say childhood wonder 
about the whole thing. See, listening to you, it would be a very different story if you found that house. <laughs> yeah, you you oh get God. what I'm saying, right? Because yeah. they're so calm and just so excited about it. I think that maybe I was less fearful seeing it through their eyes than clearly than I am through yours because now I don't even want to go take a bath. So. <laughs> oh no <laughs> did i just ruin tubbed or whatever you call yeah. it yeah we're so tub never made it to its first episode because it scared the shit out of me <laughs> um <laughs> i think there were moments um sprinkled throughout where it was like oh that's not how i would imagine that would happen like there were some things where it caused you to question like is there something supernatural or weird happening or is this just a house that, you know... Mm-hmm. No, without up. a doubt, there is there is a supernatural element that's introduced pretty early, I think. so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, like, they take it so casually, like you said. So, I think it, it, like, it, it, it's a weird... It's like, I'm trying to think of... Uh, so, it's not, the, it's not the horror you were expecting, but it was, like, it's this kind of, like, creeping, constant mm-hmm. dread... That I think is is the good quality of the horror quality of it. Yep. I um I don't have any quotes. I intentionally did not do quotes from this. It's such a short piece. I just wanted to stay in the story, so I wasn't stopping. I was just like racing right through it. Did you did you read this in one sitting? I did. Yeah, I read it in two, and it was uh, it, it was it was, it read quicker than its page count because it's a very engaging story. Yeah, it's a fast read. On multiple levels, because I'm going to cover some of it in my wrap-up, so I'm not going to go into that just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's the big stuff. I mean, typically with uh, with stories, we'll talk about other characters or, you know, other things, and, and really this is this is what you need to know about the story, and this is what we've told you is, you know, what we told you that we have chosen not to spoil is as compelling as we can get, but, like, yeah, it's a really... Not to spoil my my rating, but it's a really good story. Yeah, there are only I think two other characters, three other characters that actually make a physical appearance in the book, and and they're really side characters. Um, Amelia's coworker um, at the grocery store she works at, um, James' father and uncle, and again just in passing. You know, so yeah. really, yeah, it's it's a very very small cast, and and those characters are all very inconsequential maybe and i don't think we're going to do spoiler talk for this but remind me there's something i want to talk to you about <laughs> all right that i'm Did you <laughs> were you at all charmed by the like innocent love story that was going on loved it i absolutely loved it that's yeah. how we cover that in my wrap-up absolutely adored how he handled relation this relationship not relationships because there's really only one um how he handled it through the story and how genuine and authentic i think it was all the way up until the you know through, through the end of the story. Yeah, I'll agree. We may as well do wrap-ups, unless you think there's anything else important that our listeners need to know about this, which no, no. I think we've covered things as much as we can. I'm going to agree with you, and I think you should go first, sir. All right, we all know that I love the Mallermans, and so it's probably no surprise that I was excited to read this. I'm glad. I mean, and I've also, like I said before, enjoyed everything that I've read from This Is Horror, so... Michael and whoever else does the, uh, who, if anybody else does the, the selection for the novellas that they print have always just had such good taste in what they put out. So, um, this is just another excellent choice by them. This story is so unique. Um, first of all, because of the water, (laughs) um, (laughs) but also just because like, 
the horror is so peripheral. It's not something that you're looking at straight on. And I thought they did a great job of, or Josh did a great job of, of making me constantly feel creeped out. Um, but not for the reasons that I was expecting to be. So, uh, excellent job with that. The story was great. And, um, man, I was slipping through it so fast. Loved it. I think everybody should read this. I think even if you're, um, kind of, you know, hesitant about reading horror, you could still appreciate it. I don't think this is something that someone who's like, oh, horror scares me too much, or it's too creepy, or it's too gory. I think that this is a story that pretty much anybody could read and really appreciate the craft of the writing. So, probably not a massive surprise. I'm going to go five stars. I had a little bit of a different um, reaction to, to the story, as I kind of mentioned earlier. I almost saw it more as fantasy, and I think it's because... Uh, Mallerman kind of took me on a ride with these two kids in wide-eyed wonder and, and I was right there with them like in the discovery and trying to find out what's going on and um, although there are frightening elements um, they were delivered very well uh, in those occasions that, that they were that they were put forth to the reader um, I really like this relationship with them and again I don't want to spoil anything but you know as, as their relationship develops even further I thought that it all felt very, very genuine um, and well-written and, and endearing in parts. Um, I felt bad for the kids at part. You know what I mean? There's, I, I was with them on this, too. So not just a great um, horror novella. Um, and, and I think Rob's right. I, I think that it's it's perfect for, for almost anybody um, based on the fact that I, I don't know that it's going to keep you up nights unless you have a phobia of water, which I didn't know Rob did until moments ago, just 10 minutes ago, and everybody else found out that Rob's terrified of water. Um, I, I think that it's it's a, it's a great story about discovery and relationships and, and um, a shared something between two people, not just their relationship, but, but the fact that a relationship can be based pretty heavily around another, you know, in this case, an, an object, so a house. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I mean, I, I've read now, you know, I don't know, four or five things from, from Mallerman, and, and all of them have been just terrific. I mean, this guy is, he's, uh, I want to say he's going places. I mean, he wrote Bird Box, which was brilliant and nominated for numerous awards, and I'm sure won some awards along the way. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's destined for, uh, for greatness as a writer, and, and this particular uh, House at the Bottom of a Lake is no exception. Five stars, without question. So you're not afraid of water? Um, I, you know, it's, I don't know. I guess I'm just not exposed to it enough to be afraid of it. So I, when I was growing up, we actually had a pool, um, in my backyard, we had a pool. And so I spent a lot of time in the summer months and everything swimming and just playing in the pool and stuff like that. And I think pretty much every kid could identify any kid who spent any amount of time in a pool or in a lake or whatever, that even though it was completely irrational, there was like, if someone was like, Oh, there's a shark in the water. I'd be terrified. Like it's a fucking, you know, 30 foot pool or whatever. It's not this big pool, but you could, you could mention something like a shark and it would be just enough to be in the water. There's like some insecurity of being kind of out of your element that just sticks with me, man. It's just so, so real. <laughs> There's a shark in the pool in my backyard. <laughs> Sorry. You laugh, but I guarantee people no. are identifying with that. Well, you know what? Here's all, I get that if I was in a lake. I mean, because that's a big open area, you know, but I, I've, I've had a pool. 
And uh, like I've never thought, I thought, oh, that looks like a tarantula or something. Maybe I don't even know about that, but some kind of bug or whatever in the water. Um, yeah, I guess if you're afraid of water, this is not the right, the, the right, or, or maybe it's exactly <laughs> the right thing for you if you're looking to be scared. But yeah, the, the portion of this takes place completely submerged. It does it does? I'm just saying, everything's creepier in the water. They had a great idea. Whoever wrote Jaws was like, they they fucking got it, man. <laughs> um, this is another great installment. I think I think that you're right. Um, this is horror. Um, does an excellent excellent job um, of of obtaining great horror stories. Um, but more importantly, I think they've kind of made a name for themselves because I, you know, people are submitting great stories to them. Does that make sense? Like it's, yeah. you know, the first one they do, you go, eh, you know, I don't know what they had for submissions or, you know what I mean? Like what yeah. they had to work with. But I, I have to imagine that the longer they go at this, the more, uh, the more a name they become in publishing short horror and, and that they're, they're getting um, more and maybe better material um, sent their way. Hope so, man. I like the stuff that they put out. Um, and I'm looking forward to more. I know that they've got one or two more authors that are already signed up and everything. Not really sure about a release schedule or anything. And actually, I guess that's... Um, did we talk about the release of this? Because this is an early bird. And I don't remember already. I still I already don't remember 30 minutes ago what we are talking about. <laughs> I have seen um, things that say <laughs> out by Halloween, which is... Uh... 14 days from when you're hearing this, roughly. So this is... Out by the Spooktacular? Yeah, out by then, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I guess we're really... not doing the Spooktacular right on Halloween, so that doesn't make any sense. Correct, anyway. yeah. So... <laughs> I'm just talking out of my ass now. Yeah, but definitely this is something you're going to want to pick up and read. If for nothing else, just that image on the cover. Great cover. Beautiful. What else do we got tonight, Rob? I don't think we have much else. I mean, I know that listeners may may have caught this, but these episodes are pretty close together. So it's, we just did a ton of talking on the interlude episode. Oh, I guess we should mention we are fully back up and running on all platforms, including our own website. Yeah. Um, so if you maybe you missed an episode or two, because I'm thinking in iTunes, I don't think that it automatically downloaded um, the two episodes that had the feed issue. Right. Go back and check episodes. You might have some extra booked that you uh, maybe weren't expecting. Or if there felt like there was a long void in your life, like booked was gone for a couple of weeks. We weren't gone. <laughs> it was just unavailable to you. So check your Stitcher. Check your iTunes. There's two episodes back there. The Warren by Brian Evanson and another interlude. I think that was the two that we missed with the... Um... The rib from which I remake the oh. world. Oh, you oh, totally Edgar. have to go back and listen to that if you didn't hear it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some good stuff. I mean, uh, even though even when the feed falls apart, our content does not like the stuff that we were putting out is top notch as always. Um, just the website wasn't doing such a good job of delivering it to everybody, so um, it's out there. You should definitely go look for it um, because it's good stuff. That rib from which I remake the world was one of those books where I had no idea what I, what I was walking into, but I ended up enjoying it a lot. So um, definitely, and the Warren. Oh, the Warren's good because. A little bit of a split opinion on that on that story. A little bit, you say. <laughs> yeah, massively split opinion on that story. <laughs> not yeah. something that happens very often. I think our tastes line up pretty well, but yeah, it's it's yeah, not not so much that time. Um, Rob, did you get around to seeing Channel Zero Candle Cove? I did. So, um, uh, actually, right now, and this this will be good for 
people who use iTunes in general, the first episode of the Candle Cove, uh, the Channel Zero Candle Cove, uh, I guess it's a season, right? It's going to be the whole season. Is that story? Yes. Yep. Is available for free on iTunes. So um, instead of trying to figure out how the hell I was going to watch a sci-fi um, TV show, because it's a, it's for the, the channel sci-fi, um, I was just tooling around iTunes and I noticed that the first episode was free. So I acquired it and watched it immediately. Interesting stuff. I think it laid a lot of groundwork as opposed to being like just the straight up creepy thing that I heard from Livius when he was talking about it. And it didn't go in the direction I was thinking it would. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. Now, um, sci-fi is promising that uh, this Channel Zero is going to be anthology style, meaning each each season has its own separate kind of storyline and they're not necessarily connected. Um, much like American Horror Story. So this season is going to be the Candle Cove story. And they did a lot of groundwork. Um, it's interesting. And there was definitely some creepy stuff, but I wasn't I wasn't pooping in my pants like I thought I might have been. That's uh, what you don't understand is that the rest of the season all takes place underwater. Oh, well, fuck, I'm in. <laughs> I'm already scared. There's going to be a lot of pooping and a lot of pants from Rob. I'm, po- the, I'm just going to... It's going to be all my poo pants. It's, uh... Yeah, I, I mean... I felt a little disappointed. Did you did you hate the, 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 the protagonist? You mean the actor himself or the character? I don't know, either both. I was on the fence about him, so, like... It was confusing enough that um, I didn't really know 100% what to think about it. But, um, I don't know. I, I In a thing like this, I reserve um, my, res- my, my judgments for a few episodes just to see where they're taking it. Because, like, you got to get through at least the fourth episode before you really start to make a decision about something. Um, but in general, I wasn't like, man, I really dig this character, if that's what you're asking. It's interesting you say that. I have a three-episode rule for things. I don't I don't get to episode four on something. Like, I just don't. Either I, if I'm in, <laughs> if I'm in at episode three, I'm probably in at the last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have given up stuff after a full season. But, um, yeah, interesting to see where it'll go. You probably didn't, I'm guessing on iTunes, didn't see that this season on Candle Cove. You know how they do that, which I, I yeah. typically hate, by the way. You want to show me what's up on the next episode? Like, that's cool. But when you start showing me stuff from, like, five episodes from now, it, it annoys <laughs> me. Right. But there is there is a moment. There is a moment in there that... Mixed feelings. I'm guessing they showed it because they were like, we want people to see this crazy thing that's going to happen. <laughs> but I almost feel like, man, I kind of wish that crazy thing just happened during the course of an episode I was watching. Because now I have this image in my head that I'm going to be looking for. Yeah. So um, I'm guessing you didn't see that, but there is some pretty crazy shit. I don't want to spoil it for you. Anybody who's seen it will we'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I'm, I'm, now, <laughs> I'm now interested to see if there's a season two and which creepypasta they're going to go with next. <laughs> it, uh, and almost it actually one thing it does for me is it makes me want to go in and see if I can find information about like the original stuff that you found about Candle Cove and stuff mm-hmm. just so I can kind of prepare myself with where where did it come from so yeah and you can do that completely spoiler free I'm going to give you a, a slight recap of what it is it is out there in the form of like a screenshot of a forum posting mm-hmm 
that is a, a little bit of what you saw, and it's somebody saying, hey, anybody else remember this weird Candle Cove show? You know, it used to be on Channel 6 at 2 in the afternoon or whatever. And some people saying, no, don't remember that, don't remember that. And then somebody else saying they do remember it. And then a bunch of people chiming in with very weird experiences they had around it, including, um, you know, the mention of the, I believe it was at the end of this episode. Um, you mean that, that you, there wasn't a show. You would just be watching Static on the TV. I mean, so like right. this really kind of chilling, creepy you know, you get the feeling from a very, what starts out as a very normal conversation that there's something super, super wrong about this TV show. Yeah. So, um, you know, read it. I, I think it makes, I think it would make for good background. There is nothing spoilery about it because it, it doesn't have a, a beginning, middle, and end. That whole thing is people talking about this TV show. And then through this show, we're seeing a much more expanded story where that TV show is the focal point. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah, you should totally look it up. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. I've been thinking lately about, like, so, like, the thing that's really unsettling about that is that the horror is that your reality may be the problem. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just creepy as shit. But, yeah, shared reality, too, which makes it even weirder. Because if you're just crazy, then you're just crazy. And maybe you can right. fuck that up, right? But what happens when other people are telling you that they're having the same crazy episode? Yeah. But that doesn't affect everybody. So, yeah, it's uh, this one is a little bit reminiscent of, of It by Stephen King. In that um, the way the show is treating it is, here is this terrible thing happened around this town... Um, one person believes it has to do with Candle Cove, the TV show, um, and now here are the adults later in life having to deal with a similar thing that might be happening. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, and there's some layers to it that I would I'm 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 thinking that, and I, I tell me if I, I'm spoiling this, but I'm thinking they're they're trying to lay the groundwork for it could be explained away by there's a person making this happen, but it could very well also be very supernatural. So they're, they're leaving it open enough where weird shit's happening and, you know, people died in the past and stuff like that, but it could be like some, you know, kid remembering things wrong and it's an actual person making things happen. Or it could be this really supernatural, weird, creepy horror thing going on. I like your take on it. Cause I think it's going to be kind of a combination. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah creepier would be some supernatural creepy horror thing is compelling people in the town to do stuff that they either don't know that they're doing or they wouldn't be doing otherwise there you go rob is going to start yeah. writing his own creepy pastas comma underwater <laughs> uh, yeah under because they're always scarier slender man underwater is terrible oh my god just <laughs> <laughs> slender man scary like in the woods standing around like he peeks out from a tree scary you're walking uh, on a bridge and you look into the water and there's Slenderman. Terrifying. I, you know, Slenderman is a, is an interesting thing because it made such a splash. Oh. <laughs> and I'm surprised that nobody has really tackled this. And by nobody, I mean like a movie studio or whatever. I know there's there's a ton of short stories. Um, you know, I slept with Slenderman. I slept. Right. <laughs> That's what I was gonna yeah. say. Um. And there's other short fiction. I, I almost wonder if that got cut off after that incident in um, in Wisconsin where those two girls stabbed their friend. Yeah, so this, and then I almost wonder if they'll ask, like, was stuff in development? 
And then people are like, God damn it, these kids went and ruined it by making it like an actual thing. So Very possible. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what they pick next, assuming there is a season two. My vote is for the Russian sleep experiment. How about that weird falling, falling man picture? Oh, yeah. See, how do you expand on that, though? Those, I don't know. Yeah. Creepy as this to look at, it's a photograph. Like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's it. There's no story there. What's the Russian sleep experiment? I'm just going to let you look it up, buddy. All right. And the listeners, wait, does it have anything with water? No, no. It's a bunch of Russians sleeping above water. Right. Not above water. <laughs> Nowhere near the water. That would be scary. Yeah. Like, if. if so there's, if there's levels of. Right. <laughs> If you're on a boat, it's scarier than if you're on land. And if you're underwater, (laughs) fuck this shit, I'm out. Although I will say that there, I did spend a week uh, on a boat, like crashing at my. uh, uh, I was visiting a friend in California, and they lived on their boat, and I've never had better sleep in my life than with that kind of gentle rocking that the water like gently rocked the boat, and I I slept like a baby, or I slept like something that sleeps really, really well. It was like the best sleep ever. It was very like, restful. Slept like somebody who's not terrified of water. Oh, <laughs> this is this is there's gonna be endless miles of this 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 water joke thing is gonna is gonna play out over the I'm just the next waiting to see how many people come out in my favor because everything's scarier in the water, man. Everything. I'm not even familiar with this. I, I pulled up a list of creepy pastas and Ben Drowned is one of them. I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to suggest you look that up because I don't want you to lose any sleep tonight. Hey, maybe we could save, maybe we could save it for Spooktacular. Yeah, I strongly encourage people this October go read some creepy pasta. There is a podcast. I know I don't often mention other podcasts because why would I? Um, there is a podcast called the No Sleep Podcast. Yeah, which is yep. Which I believe has covered a lot of the creepy pastas. I have not listened, but it is October. Maybe I'll maybe I'll download a few episodes of that and see if there's um, anything to be had there from the horror standpoint. I think that's um, correct. Me if I'm wrong, but I think that podcast was inspired by or is fueled by the No Sleep subreddit on Reddit. Where it's just all the weird fucking stories and stuff like that. Correct, yes. But I, I think they touch on creepypastas, too. Yeah. I mean, you can't be on I mean, and be in one without the other. I mean, I, right. I think so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something to check out. Um, yeah. So, do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, no. Next week, right. Spooktacular. Um, I know the other episode's only been available for a couple of days, but no listeners have taken us up on um, making a compelling reason for why they should be the the fourth. So um, we'll see. Right now, I know that it's me, Rob, and Jesse. We'll see if that expands at all. And you'll see um, next week on our annual um, book podcast, Spooktacular. I'm so excited. It is, honestly, the Spooktacular has become probably my favorite moment of the year i don't know what it is about the spooktacular um because it's never been the same year to year there's it's been vastly different and like you know with varying amounts of success and you know and excitement but i love it and i know we do the the christmas spectacular as well and that's nice and everything but it's just not it's i think there's too much good feelings there i think the spooktacular is where we really shine (laughs) well we'll see because our plan right now we have no plan we have zero plan. So if there's something you want to hear, 
by all means, hit us up in the book podcast listening group or shoot us an email. Maybe we'll read it. Find some way to get a hold of one of us if you have a suggestion for a topic. Yeah. Um, we, we could even do a little segment where, where we answer some listener questions as long as they're spectacular related. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Unless, Livius, you have any words of wisdom to share? What? No. Wisdom. All right. Um, check back uh, check back a couple episodes make sure that you're caught up on everything that has come out recently don't worry the feed will not fail and if it does I at least know how to fix it this time So, um, and then also come back next week Spooktacular it's going to be amazing um, we don't have a theme but I've got some ideas that we're going to talk about literally when we sign off so until next time I'm Rob Olson and I'm Livia Snedden keep reading <laughs>